0: You are listening to the Cleveland Guardians FanCast, a podcast for fans of the Cleveland baseball team, hosted by Quincy Wheeler. And welcome to the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. I'm your host Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. I wanted to update you on the weekend's news events, notably, that there doesn't appear to be baseball starting anytime soon. I've seen a couple different people say that. If they reach a deal by the 26th of February or the 28th of February, somewhere in that mix, then they can probably still hit opening day. So obviously that gives us, at most, two weeks from today. The owners came back to the players with a proposal that Rob Manfred lied and said would be good, which was barely any kind of movement whatsoever. If the proposal is good, then it should be a movement towards the other side of some notable degree and the proposal certainly was not. So at this point I guess we're relying on the players to be heroes and move a little bit more towards the owners and as Tyler and I discussed on Friday I don't particularly care if they do or not. The owners don't deserve it but it's possible. I suppose you might see the players Talk about their bonus pool where they want it to be a hundred million dollars and bring it down to 75 million or something I don't know you just got to hope at this point that the players will present a proposal early in the week The owners will present a counter proposal, proposal proposal until we finally get close to a deal But I would not be surprised at all if we begin to get to the point that we're losing games And I just think it looks terrible for the sport. It's going to make some fans turn their back on the game, it's going to affect ticket revenue, and baseball has no one to blame but themselves. And by baseball, I mean the owners and Rob Manfred. Players aren't asking for anything outrageous. There are some things that they want that probably, you know, don't make sense in an overall competitive balance scheme of things. You could make that argument, but what I, I think what they want is all fine. But even if there's a couple of things you're like, hey, we're not going to go there, there's other things that make perfect sense that they can well afford. And Rob Manfred's busy out here saying, well, you don't make quite as much on a baseball team as you do in the stock market, which is number one, not true. And number two, completely disregarding that you take on like absolutely no risk by owning a baseball team. Manfred's the worst, the owners are the worst, and I just wish they'd figure this out so we'd have some actual baseball news to talk about. But since we don't, I wanted to share with you my top 10 Guardians Indians players. So I hope you've been following Zach Meisel's uh, story about the top 30 um, players from the progressive field, Jacobs Field era. And coincidentally, my top 10 would also be from that era. That's just because that's the era in which I've grown up, and those are the players that I'm familiar with. So just wanted to give you that list for me. So number 10 for me, uh, I decided to pick a random player who barely showed up for the the Indians Guardians because I feel like everybody's got to have one like that on the list. Number 10 is Sal Fasano. Sal Fasano with an amazing handlebar mustache, a backup catcher who showed up for the Guardians for just a year there, and hey, might as well pick somebody like that. I have always been a big fan of catchers because they just do so much for the game, and in fact, my favorite play to watch is a catcher throwing a runner out at a base. It's just amazing how quickly they can get rid of the ball and accurately they can throw it. So I do have a special thing for catchers, and I also think the handlebar mustaches are amazing. So that's why I Fasano sneaks onto my list. Gotta leave room on your list for future players, too. You know, as we look forward to seeing Fangraph's list of prospects for the Guardians at some point, And at that point, I'll kind of give you my breakdown of, of where the consensus seems to be on Guardians prospects from the places that I follow. With, uh, with that in mind, there's got to be somebody on that list that's going to become a new favorite of mine. And I suppose they'll bump Sal Fasano out, but I'll always have a, a sauce bar for Sal. Number nine, speaking of catchers, Roberto Perez. So I've been a big fan of Roberto Perez since I started to see him with uh, Jan Gomes, the two of them, and noticed how much better a defender Roberto Perez was. Now, Gomes is a better hitter, and sometimes it's super frustrating watching Perez hit. But I think a lot of Perez's hitting focuses on little injuries that he has that seem to affect him at the plate. He's had some solid seasons. He also was amazing in the 2016 playoff run when Gomes got hurt, and he is just an absolute dream behind the plate. And I'll never forget 2019 when he didn't have a pass ball all year and just seemed like he never made a mistake. He couldn't run on him. He calls the pitching staff amazing. I hope he does well in Pittsburgh seemed like it was probably time to move on here, and maybe that he was getting a little cranky about being here. So I understand it's time to move on, but i always have some positive thoughts about Bebo, and uh, glad that he played for the Guardians. And uh, completing this kind of theme, number eight, Carlos Santana. I loved watching Carlos Santana hit when he first came up, and he kind of continued that for his whole career, that he... um, that he was always looking like he was ready to murder somebody at the plate he always had that that really kind of aggressive look on his face and i've always enjoyed that about a player so he was also I, I know somebody at some point i think maybe on covering the corner they used the phrase that he was the harbinger of good cleveland guardians teams to come and that was definitely true like when you saw Carlos santana come up and start to hit you're like all right there's beginning to be a semblance of a lineup here That we maybe can get excited about so that's what i think of when i think of carlos santana and man it was just fun watching him over the years fun watching him become a good first baseman as well and he's kind of short to be a first baseman but he made up for it by making some really good defensive plays fun to watch him relate to lindor and jose and and you know they'd always pick on him and he just kind of has a stoic personality and I hope maybe someday he can come back and be a coach or manager for the Guardians. Seems like he'd be great at that if he wanted to be. And of course, we can all remember when he caught the out to send the Guardians to the World Series against the Blue Jays, and how he spread out his arms toward the heavens, and then he posted a picture on his Twitter of his little daughter doing the same. Great memories of Carlos Santana. Number seven on my list, Michael Brantley. Uh, i think a lot of people kind of forget how great michael brantley was for the guardians because he was great for them in the years leading up to when the guardians got really good and then he started to get hurt in those years but man he still remains today a great hitter and there were so many years there where the only thing to really look forward to was in any guardians game was to see michael brantley get a hit and uh, i remember i had a roommate at the time and Every day when I, you know, we'd come back and we'd check in on the Guardians. If I couldn't watch the game and I saw the Guardians won, I would always just ask him, well, what would Michael Brantley do? Because he was the only thing that really kept the team going at that point. And just that swing, so smooth, his whole attitude, just so smooth. Sorry it didn't work out for him to be with the Guardians longer. I understood at the time because he was a little bit older and it was hard to count him being healthy. But, man, I really love Michael Brantley and having him as a Cleveland Guardian. Number six, Travis Freiman. So I also like to watch third baseman a lot, um, and uh, I liked Matt Williams when he was on the team in 97, but Travis Fryman was a big favorite of mine. He also is a Christian like I am and open about that, which is great. Um, he became a coach. Uh, he just was always a solid player. You could always count on him to be there and put up above-average seasons and play a solid third base. I just feel like he's super underrated. I need to get a Fryman jersey somewhere. I need to scour eBay to find one because I just really loved having Travis Fryman on the team, and it was it was great. Number five, Oral Hershiser. Uh I just remember Oral on the 97 team just how much fun it was to watch him whenever he's pitching. You could see why he was called the bulldog. He didn't have great stuff, and today I'm sure he'd be getting blasted out of the park, but he more than often would find a way to keep a team in the game and give you a chance to win. It didn't work out so great in the playoffs here and there. He had a couple rough starts at wrong times, but I have a lot of affection for him, and Just enjoy kind of seeing him have the last part of his career with Cleveland and give them another and help them have another playoff run in his career. Wish they would have won one with him, (laughs) but I I think a lot about Rohrer Scheiser and and he's definitely one of my favorites. And of course, the picture of him wearing a sweater in the dugout, just an iconic picture. Look that up on the uh, internet sometime. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Number four, Paul Ossenmacher. I'm always a fan of the random reliever, and I'm also a fan of, you know, a good closer. probably should have put Cody Allen on this list because I really love Cody Allen, too, and I love seeing him get guys out with his curveball, and, and there was that year 2007 when Raphael Betancourt was untouchable as a reliever, and I just loved him because it just felt like any time he came in the game, the game was over, he had under no control, and of course, Andrew Miller in 2016 until he destroyed his arm through that season same thing with cody allen uh they're just so much fun when you get a guy come in the game you're like okay the game's over and emmanuel Clase gave us that feeling last year which is great to have that back paul ossemacher also amazing mustache also just kind of looks like the guy hanging out at your local gas station but would come in and strike out ken griffey jr i love the relievers oftentimes are guys you're like i'm not sure if they're really an athlete, or I'm not really sure how they're on a baseball team, but then they'll come in and and do amazing things like that, get the best hitter in baseball out, because they're a solid left-hander that can get a ball in there and spin it and make it work. So I guess I mentioned a bunch there, but Paul Offsenmacher fourth, and maybe realizing I should have put Cody Allen on this list down there somewhere, because I really appreciate Cody Allen. Him and, his, him and his wife were having a miscarriage around the same time that my wife and I had a miscarriage, so I always think about that and uh, and the connection we had there and excited to see that they were able to have a baby and see them raising their son as we raise our sons. Number three on my list, Manny Ramirez. I... From the time I remember starting to like baseball, love to watch Manny hit. You could not get a better swing than Manny Ramirez. What an amazing right-hand hitter! And uh, kind of like an idiot savant. I'm sure he's not an idiot. He's but you know, it's pretty spacey in, in a lot of ways, and uh, you know, leaving hugely expensive checks lying around and just being a little ditzy but being absolutely brilliant at hitting the baseball. Uh, just loved watching him, and it was hard to see him win championships with Boston, but kind of happy for him. I'm sorry about the whole steroids thing. doesn't surprise me that at some point Manny would have been like, oh, somebody's offering me this, going to help me be a better hitter? Sure, I'll take it. That doesn't surprise me, but it's sad because he obviously didn't need it. He was an amazing hitter, and that had nothing to do With steroids. Steroids help you stay healthier, maybe help you hit the ball a little farther, but don't help you make contact, which he was always amazing. It seemed like he never got to a 3-2 count and struck out, though I know he did, but it just seemed like he would always get a hit, always get the runner in. Number two on my list, Bob Wickman. I'm a huge Bob Wickman fan, mainly because it just seemed like he just got off off the couch after drinking a six-pack of beer and would come in and get guys out and you could count on him to do it every time he was the franchise safe leader until cody allen eventually took the crown from him but i loved watching him hit it's amazing that he would sometimes intentionally walk guys unintentionally intentionally walk guys just because he didn't want to have to deal with them and then sometimes he'd intentionally balk guys uh, or let guys get off of second to go to third because he didn't want them stealing signs and most of the time, he'd get guys out. You know, you look at his numbers, he actually had a really great career. And that slider really made things work. In fact, as I talk about Mary Ramirez never striking out on 3-2. and two. I have a vivid memory of Bob Wickman getting Manny out, a uh, strikeout on a 3-2 pitch in a close game against Boston in the ninth. Just some of those things that kind of stick in your memory. And I enjoyed Bob Wickman being on the Guardians. And finally, number one for me, Jose Ramirez. I just adore everything about Jose from his Mario Kart expertise, to his personality, to seeing him hit desert bombs off Trevor Bauer. Just an amazing player. I love how he dominates in Yankee Stadium. He's just an MVP candidate. I so wish the Guardians could extend him and keep him with them. I just don't see how that's going to happen going into this year because of the short season. It just seems like that ship has sailed that it had to be done before the lockout. Maybe it wasn't going to be, but I don't know. It would be great if they could keep him. love to have him retire as a guardian, but even if he doesn't, I've got all kinds of amazing memories of him and MVP seasons that he didn't get the MVP, but maybe you will this year, and he's an amazing third baseman, and just just an incredible hitter. He can take a walk. I always remember that 19 pitch at bat he had against the Astros in uh, May of 2000, and I think it was 2018, you know, 2019, uh, where he just fouled pitch after pitch off, and and maybe it was 2017. I don't know. i to so have to look back. He uh, was just always seemed to be like the heart of the team that just never gives up and always does the extra thing. Oh, and his base running, incredible base running from a player who's a middle of the order hitter to be that amazing at base running and, and a great defender. There's a reason why he's a top five player in baseball and number one in my heart. Well, if you heard this, let me know who are some of your favorite players, and also. Um, your memories of some of my favorites as well. Hope you're having a good start to your week. Happy Valentine's Day. This has been the Cleveland Guardians Fancast. Music is provided by purpleplanet.com. That is purple-planet.com. Our intro song is purchased license from pond5.com.